Hello, everybody. My name's Brennan. My name's Gabe. And this is Shadow Valley. So um, this week, unfortunately, we don't have Parker with us. Um, he is currently moving. The big move. Yeah, we'll wish him a good move, and we'll get him back next week. Basically. <laughs> um, so this week, what we wanted to talk about is we wanted to talk about kind of horror um, and horror movies as a whole. Um, and I guess just like starting off of it, I think horror is one of my favorite genres of movie just because I love the adrenaline rush that I get from it. Yeah, like the like the sitting on your the edge of your seat kind of feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I hear that. I think, um, and it's hard because I think we've mentioned this in the past episodes. I think with uh, uh, La Llorona episode that we did, we talked a little bit about horror movies in general. Yeah. Um, but I think especially right now during Halloween, and we just had Friday the 13th just two days ago. Right. Um, people want to kind of dive into these movies and get into the mood of Halloween, you know, because Halloween is supposed to be like a, kind of spooky unsettling you know and and you're supposed to have fun yeah especially as you get older i think it changes a lot from being like that the dressing up for halloween i think you, you can still party and dress up and have fun but right also i think for me it has changed from like dressing up for halloween hanging out with my friends yeah. to oh i want to like i want to go carve a pumpkin and watch a scary movie or something or i want to go carve a pumpkin go watch a scary movie or get some grub watch a scary movie blah 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 yeah whatever like i completely agree it's definitely changed for me over time like if you asked me um like we'll say like 11 years ago mm -hmm. like how i felt about horror movies i'd be like no i can't yeah, yeah <laughs> i, I can't that. do it yeah <laughs> they're too scary blah 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 but now i'm like a horror junkie to where <laughs> i just can't you gotta like, inject the horror in your veins basically dude i gotta like <laughs> snort it off the table yeah just <sighs> Nice. <laughs> Basically. The exorcist. Uh. <laughs> it's it oh shoot. I want to see that now actually, even yeah. though the girls look like Smeagol. Dude, oh oh yeah, because we I think we brought that up during we that did. episode too. Um that's and so I guess to kind of just to dive into it, that's one thing that really frustrates me about like um I guess horror movies in general is and and again, uh, well uh, not again because we haven't said this, but yeah. um, Brennan and I were talking that I think we, it's important that we know that we're not like like movie connoisseurs, yeah. you know, where um, we're just two dudes doing a podcast. And so <laughs> you, our opinions might be shit. So please don't freaking judge us. We're <laughs> just uh, we're just talking here. We want to put out some content for you guys and just kind of, you know, we, we'd love to hear from you as well. If you guys disagree with our opinion, because I think it's always fun to have an open conversation. But oh, yeah. Um, my big frustration with a lot of these like horror or or like scary films is they put a huge em emphasis on, <clears throat> I guess, just like the gore part, yeah, or the possession part. And I know a lot of these movies, like The Exorcist, are very catered toward the toward the possession part, but yeah, I just don't really find that too scary in my opinion, especially the gore part, right? Um, because it's never really well done, you know. I don't think it's very well done at all, ever. I think some of the best movies that I've seen that have really good gore is the Evil Dead series, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I'll definitely bring that up. Like, oh, the most recent one that came out this year, the Evil Dead Rise. 
Yeah. Um, like, have you seen that one? No, I haven't. But I remember you, you telling me that you had to like, you were like freaked out. That one was insane. Because you went on a date, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Which is crazy. Guys, like, that is, I don't know. I think maybe we talked about this, but it is nuts that you went to go watch that kind of movie on a first date. That blows me away. I just didn't realize it was going to be so gory. Because <laughs> wasn't it your idea? It was my idea. Wild man out, dude. Um, Do you still talk to that person? No. <laughs> I did get like a repeat date after that, but then you we kind of just like stopped talking. They're probably like, that was the craziest first date ever. Yeah. Like <laughs> I had to apologize, but they were also kind of like weird. They're kind of still like Mormon and I was like, I uh, don't know how I feel about that. Oh, uh, dang. Dude, that's always what I think about is like, I wonder what first dates I've done that like people will talk about the rest of their lives, whether it was like good or just like horrible, you know, They're like, dude, I went on a first date with this guy and it was terrible. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Sidetrack for a quick sec. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one time I went on a date with this girl and, um, I had a had a 1984 Jeep. Okay. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah, you do that red one. Yeah, yeah. So I went on a date with this girl, and I went to go pick her up. It was about probably 25 minutes from my house, and I had to go on the freeway. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want to drive on the back roads. And if you've ever owned a Jeep, you know that those Jeeps do not do well going past like 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Especially the old ones. <clears throat> the reason behind that is because they just aren't built to go very fast. And so they start to get kind of like a wobble on the freeway. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I don't know the exact science, but I think it's just the moments that are happening from the, um, wheels to the ground mm-hmm. are just too much. And so the moment on the surface of it is just making it shake like crazy. Damn. Um, again, I might be wrong on that, but, uh, so essentially what ended up happening is I pick up this girl, we drive all the way down back to, um, where we're going for our date, which is another 25 minutes back. Yeah. And during this time, and I told her, I was like, hey, this Jeep shakes like crazy when we drive. Um, so we might not be able to talk, but I'll try to like talk to you as we're going. Yeah. Um, and I considered even taking the back roads, which I should have. But during that time, what had happened was my lug nuts. No. Were, so sorry, not my lug nuts, but my rim. Yeah. Around the lug nut, this, the hole um, where the bolt th- goes through. Yeah. Um, that just got completely shredded. And so what happened was, and I looked at the lug nut after, but the lug nut hole probably grew, I don't know, two inches in diameter. Jeez. And so when we finally got to, we were about probably like a quarter mile till we got to, we were going to Nickel City. Um, okay. I know where that's at. Yeah. And so we were probably a quarter mile and then my left front tire flies off my Jeep. Oh my and God. So if anybody knows Utah County at all, um, we're on state street near yeah. university and state. And so it's super busy. It's like a Friday night, super busy. Luckily though, there are no, no cars coming, um, on the left side. Yeah. So it's completely empty. So my wheel flies off. I see it rolling and then we both, the car just drops to the left. It was nuts, dude. So this <laughs> this freaking tire's rolling, and this guy's pulling out of a, a drive-thru, and yeah. he nails this car. No. And I was like, shit. And so, because I would have been totally fine if it, it was just, like, my vehicle that got kind of wrecked, you know? Yeah. But then this other guy's car gets wrecked. The best part about this whole time, I mean, and I'll finish this off in a second. Sorry, this is kind of a big tangent, but... No. Um, the best part was that everybody around us... Yeah. There was a ton of people... And it was super 
it was actually like <laughs> it was actually like really cool to see like uh everybody come out and help but there was a ton of guys that came and everybody just picked up the jeep dude there was probably like 15 dudes picked up the jeep Damn. and we moved it off state street that's crazy yeah it was crazy just Jeez. a bunch of dudes just lifting up a whole jeep it was nuts and so um we yeah yeah so we moved the car off the street the guy comes and asks for my insurance the one that the tire hit and then uh, yeah was he pissed no he was actually really nice he was like dude i'm sorry like this is like a really shitty day for you too but yeah unfortunately your tire hit my car like and i was like yeah man like i understand it's all right and so i give him my insurance information and stuff and um yeah after that my uh my parents came by they let me borrow their car yeah because i wasn't i wasn't at home and so <clears throat> they let me borrow their car and then I just took her to get ice cream and then I took her home because after that it was just like so awkward. And then I told her, I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that was going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we never ended up talking again. But <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure she was super nice about it too. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk bad or anything. Like, I hope there's th the impression that she was like bad or anything was yeah. not given, but she was great. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we never talked again. And I'm sure that's probably a story that she'll tell everybody for the rest of her life you know that's like yeah just horrible <laughs> i've gone on some pretty bad dates like yeah <laughs> that's my worst thing is the fact that like i can go on some pretty bad dates like mm -hmm. i've gone on a date with a pedophile and i had that's no crazy. idea they were a pedophile until like i think maybe like three times after seeing them what yeah you went on a date with them three times yeah and then i found out they were a pedophile wow that Wait, was oh i think we talked about this too Did on we... a previous episode yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, continue. That is crazy. Freaking, yeah, no. Pedophile, bad. Yeah, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of dating horror stories that I could, like, <laughs> tell. Like, if I had a red flag, it's probably just the fact that I definitely don't know how to pick the right people to go out with. <laughs> when I pick the right people, like, it's a win. Yeah. And it's really cool. Mm -hmm. But, like, I can also pick really terrible people to go out with it sucks man. like <laughs> when we're done i'm gonna tell you about uh one type of person that i went out with mm. that um like honest to god i don't dare mention while i'm talking <laughs> on the podcast um, but um yeah it was probably i don't know the pedophile was probably the worst but it mm -hmm. was like probably the second worst date i ever went on yeah we'll have to talk about it after yeah it's interesting it was it um, was pretty pretty bad but <laughs> But yeah, so back to yeah movies and why we like them and dislike them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. The, the like, the adrenaline I guess that you get when you're on on the edge of your seat, you know, and you don't know what's gonna happen or or, or a movie can convey so well. Yeah. To the audience, like um, sense of urgency. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. One of the movies that really, I guess, stood out for me that gave that gave me the impression of that was. Um, a Quiet Place. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen A Quiet Place. Yeah, it was like, it, I think that movie, they're like, they used silence really, really well. Yeah. To kind of make the, the, like, viewer almost want to be quiet themselves, you know? Yeah. And then when you hear a sound in the movie, it's kind of like a, like a spook, spooky thing because you know something is going to come for them. Right. And mind you, that was more of like a, it's not a horror movie, but it's more of like a suspenseful movie. Um, and that brings me to my next point. And I think I'd probably 
during Halloween to get me more in like that mood. I think it's very fun to watch like those gore movies and stuff because it yeah. does feel more Halloweeny. But if I want to like get on the edge of my seat, kind of feel frightened a little bit, I want to watch something more suspenseful or yeah. something that will make me feel like this could happen in real life, you know? For sure. Um, which a lot of this stuff can happen in real life, I guess, but in more tr- traditional sense, like, like, uh, home invasion or kidnappings or stuff like that. Or, or like, uh, there's one, Oh, what was that one movie called? Silence. Silent or something. Oh man. What's it about? It's about this, uh, this girl that lives like in Virginia or something. Is she like deaf? That. Yeah. The, yeah. Hush. She's, hush. That's what it was. <laughs> that movie freaks me out because it's like, it's it's just so suspenseful, you know, and that could actually happen in real life, mind yeah. you. Like it's it's pretty intense and sometimes far fetched at times, but that kind of movie and that kind of ambience, I guess, is what really kind of freaks me out. Um, well, I'm actually gonna uh, talk about a um, a horror movie, kind of from then. It was from 1986, uh-huh. and it's actually a really suspenseful horror movie. It's mm-hmm. known as like one of the staples of the horror genre. Yeah. It's a horror sci-fi movie. It's alien. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Alien. You've uh-huh. seen alien. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Played the freaking game. That's scary. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude. I remember my... playing that on, uh, I think it was Xbox. Yeah. Like the original Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Freaking. If you ever want to raise your blood pressure, yeah. like play that <laughs> game because that game scares the crap out of yeah. me dude that's another thing that i think um is definitely like over overlooked is yeah how freaky games can be you know because they're so much more immersive than like a movie yeah um there's a there's a game because you have to do it yeah exactly you have to do it you have to be that character and it's kind of freaky it's unsettling you know yeah um there's a time i remember when we uh i think i think you were with me when we did this we did it with another mutual friend of ours but um we played like slenderman in my uh in my parents tv room and we like blacked out all the lights and crap and then we <laughs> put um we put like paper on the window so we couldn't see and dude that was freaky i know it's, it's just a game it's just slender man like yeah. stupid but um anyway continue on sorry no for sure like i don't know it's it's interesting um and that's actually one of the movies I want to talk about for sure is Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like, because one of the quotes they use to kind of add some suspense to it is, you know, um, no one in space can hear you scream. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, because it's true. Like, when you're alone, like, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Nobody can hear you. You're in deep space. Um, of course, like, in this movie, um, our pro- our protagonist, Ellen Ripley, like she has her crew, Mm -hmm. but one by one, they start getting taken out by this alien, which, um, something I like about horror movies, at least older horror movies. And, you know, I hate to be that guy who's like, Oh my God, like freaking practical effects were so much better than freaking CGI now. (laughs) But the practical effects, like in this movie were top tier, like, um, and the director, like low key, he was really good at what he did. Mm-hmm. But one of the moves people are like, that was a dick move. Mm-hmm. And it was the fact that like in the film, like there's the chest burst right, scene where the alien comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people who knew that was going to happen was like the director, some people who were working with him and then the actor where it happened to the other actors had no clue. Really? That was yeah. I didn't know that. So all of their reactions when that's happening. So real. Yeah. It's genuine. Wow. 
That's so cool. I did not know that happened. It's crazy. And so when you watch that movie, like just look for it and all of them are like, the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They just I did not weren't know that. like expecting it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of diving into what was that? Sorry. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention too, is like what you said is I don't think you're, you're far off the base of saying that like the, like real life effects are sometimes better than like the, the animation. Yeah. Um, I think a movie that really did well with both. And I wish people would do this now is Lord of the Rings. Uh Um, did you ever watch Lord of the Rings? No. So they do a really good, good, good job about like makeup and the VFX of everything as well as tying in some of that, um, uh, what's called animation and stuff. I wish more people would do that because it just makes it feel a lot more real. Like all the orcs in the movie, yeah. As far as I know, they're all like, like actual VFX, you know. And then like Smeagol, for instance, was a, a body trace and stuff. And so, but stuff like that, I think, is super interesting, and it makes it feel a lot more real than it actually is. Yeah. So, I definitely get that. Um, yeah, a good mix between the two is something that's hard for some people to do. Um, and when you nail it, it's really good, but when you botch it, it's kind of like a letdown. Yeah. And it's like a big letdown because you can see it really apparently apparent, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think especially with like the new Marvel movies and shit. Yeah. Dude, all the new Marvel movies, their animation sucks. It's so, but it's like, it's like a million multi-million dollar company, probably even a billion dollar company. Like, and they seem it's. The thing is that they just push them out too quick. Yeah. I mean, this is besides the fact because it's not horror, but anyway, continue on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so anyway, the Alien franchise looms as a monolithic titan, shaping the way audiences perceive extraterrestrial life and horror that might lur- lurk in the cosmic void. Conceived by vision, the visionary mind of Ridley Scott, so this is the <laughs> director, and evolving through the hands of various talented directors, this series has become an enduring saga, meddling, meddling horror, suspense, and profound existential dread in the cold depths of space. Hmm. So this is actually um, also the birth of kind of the sci-fi nightmare. Um, right. Like there were sci-fi movies, horror movies before this that were um, kind of there, but this kind of brought it all into life this kind of sparked kind of that revolution i guess right um and so what happened is ridley scott unleashed the movie alien on the world introducing viewers to the nostromo a claustrophobic space spaceship haunted by a relentless acid-blooded xenomorph the film was groundbreaking melding sci-fi and horror seamlessly and introducing one of the most iconic and terrifying creatures in cinematic history. Sigourney Weaver's portrayal of Ellen Ripley transformed her into a feminist icon, solidifying Alien's place in not only horror genre, but in the annals of film history. Hmm. And so um, I guess going off on a side note real quick is horror is one of the genres that have really brought women from being a secondary role in movies or kind of like an object into making them into kind of empowering roles. Hmm. And so horror has played a significant role in paving the way for strong female roles in movies. While early horror moves movies often portrayed like women as victims or damsels in distress, the genre, the horror genre eventually became a space where female characters could subvert traditional gender roles 
and exhibit strength, resilience, and intelligence. Mm. Um, this elevation in horror cinema had a profound influence on the portrayal of women um, in mainstream movies, actually. Several factors contributed to this phenomenon, like innovative uh, female characters, like we just barely brought up in the Alien series, mm. like Ellen Ripley um, in the Alien franchise. Then you also have Laurie Strode <laughs> in Halloween, then Nancy Thompson, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, all of these are yeah. kind of like become your quote unquote final girls. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, is I, cause I did take it like a fil film theory class a couple semesters ago. Yeah. And that was like a big one where like, uh, they say that alien was like actually a big start for, cause Sig uh, what's her Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Um, that was like, that's like touted upon to be one of the first roles where, uh, like a female lead was in it, you know, like it is, how can I explain that? Yeah, I, I guess you just kind of said it, but yeah, it yeah. like essentially paved the road for everything. Um, that's another really good movie that you brought up with um, Lori, Lori Stroud. Is that her name? Yeah. Halloween. Yeah, that movie is nuts, dude. And I love that they brought her back for these other other films that they made, right. like the 2018 one, because I think without her, it would have been so dull, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that, I think that Halloween 2018, did you watch that one? Um, I haven't. That one's really good. Um it's uh, it kind of like brings back that unsettling feeling because, and again, this is where I I really like horror films in yeah. general, and and like the suspense, you know, is because Michael at this point is like, and I I will try and hold back what I say about the, uh, what happened in the next two movies, but um, oh, and I, and I guess we should probably have mentioned this in the beginning, but major spoiler warnings for anybody that hasn't seen any of these films <laughs> because we're gonna go kind of in depth with them, um, but. For Halloween, I really like that they made Michael kind of just like a an eerie character. You know, he's yeah. he's just kind of a a murderer. He's he's a serial killer that is out to get people. You right. Know? He kills like twenty five people in that film, and that's not. I guess that's the the freaky thing about it is is that that could happen in real life. Again, yeah. mind you, a lot of this stuff could happen in real life, but that is more scary because we know serial killers exist. In my opinion. Uh, well, we know serial killers exist, but yeah. in my opinion, that is more scary um, because that can actually happen, you know, and and it's just f freaky to think about, in my opinion. Again, yeah. I sound like a broken record saying that. No, it's <laughs> totally fine. Um, I guess just like to finish off on the Alien franchise mm -hmm. is its influence um, really permeates popular culture and it inspired countless sci-fi films, video games, literature, and even academic discussions about the De depiction mm -hmm. see if i can even like say anything of gender in cinema um the like hr gear design xenomorph has become synonymous with sci-fi horror it's biomechanical aesthetic etched into the collective consciousness like mm. the way they made that suit um and the way like they created this monster like it's very like if I were to show you a xenomorph, you would recognize it. Yeah, you may not know what it's like called, mm -hmm. but you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know like what that is. I've seen it because yeah, it's, it's so iconic. That head and the, the like very skinny, lanky body. You yeah, know? it's iconic. It is, and you'll see it like little figurines of it in different movies all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I think that's another thing too that they did well with the um, with actually a lot of horror films. Like you know, Michael Myers. Yeah, his mask is very, very. Um, iconic and yeah. then, uh friday the 13th uh, jason, jason yeah his mask is very iconic and then texas chainsaw massacre like that that like view of him putting on like the skin and stuff yeah. like 
that's like the or um, the pig mask or whatever it is. Yeah, um, that's very iconic. Like the horror, I guess, just in general, is a re- does a really good job about being able to like make these practical things almost engraved in our society. Because right. you see those things, you immediately know what they are. Yeah, you know, it's they're, very interesting. Yeah, they're really good at making symbols, like freaking saw and the puppet. Yeah, exactly. You see that, and you're yeah. like, "Oh shoot, I know what that is!" Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hit like that, that oh. big smiling. You know, like immediately you see any of those colors, or you see a clown, the red balloon, exactly, or the red balloon. Yeah, that's a huge one. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but that's like <laughs> the red balloon, dude. You see that, or the yellow jacket and the red red oh, yeah. uh, boots. You just immediately think it. Oh yeah, it's crazy how like they can take a symbol and then they can make it ingrained in the collective consciousness Mm -hmm. it's really it's powerful yeah um it's almost like it it almost falls into the category of like ritual magic almost (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um not necessarily the same uh so the next kind of franchise i wanted to touch upon is the conjuring franchise Mm -hmm. um and so in the shadowy realms of horror cinema where fear lurks and the supernatural is tangible, the Conjuring franchise stands as a chilling testament to the art of terrifying storytelling. Emerging from the depths of paranormal investigation, this series, created by James Wan, has transcended the screen, captivating audiences with its spine-tingling narratives hmm. and its remarkable performances in haunted like senses of dread. Like It makes mm-hmm. you super anxious. And so kind of like... The Conjuring franchise was first conceived in 2013 with the release of the first film, um, introducing audiences to the real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, who honestly were portrayed brilliantly by Patrick Wilson and Vara Farminga. Farminga? Farminga? Do you know her name? I don't know how to pronounce it, no. Well, I apologize to this amazing actress. (laughs) The film's success was not near like not just merely a box office triumph, but marked the beginning of a journey that would unravel some of the most hair-raising paranormal cases ever documented. Um, and so because it did so good, they ended up kind of expanding the universe on The mm-hmm. Conjuring. Um, and if you haven't seen The Conjuring, it's a really good movie and really spooky. Um, I guess just like on a side note here that this just made me think about was I recently went to a an amusement park here in Utah. It's called Lagoon. And they have this attraction there. It's called Seance. And basically, it's kind of like this theme of, you know, they pull some people from the audience, they put them around this table, and this guy who's in charge, he's going to conduct a seance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, like, it's all supposed to be staged and supposed to be creepy. I mean, you have to buy a ticket. Ticket was super cheap, like $13 a person. Mm-hmm. Um and so you sit in the bleachers because that's where I sat. I wasn't on the table, thank God, because like what I tell you in a second, like is going to blow your mind. But like they're going through and then he starts off by telling this narrative, the story about who we're going to try and contact and who mm-hmm. this person is and kind of like what happened to them and this, that and the other thing. And um, it's crazy. And so he actually gets like abducted, gets thrown into a closet and the you guy see, does? like, yeah. What the hell? And then you like see him strapped down with like this projected ghost on him, uh-huh. and it looks so crazy. And uh-huh. then he gets like thrown right back out. Hmm. But like even before that too, some of like the effects was insane. Like they got this door and had like six different locks 
that this guy, because the door kept like opening by itself mm -hmm. and he kept like slamming it closed and mm -hmm. then it opened again, like as he's talking mm -hmm. and slamming it closed. And so he locked these six locks on this door. He grabbed two planks of wood, put them into these like actual latches on the door. Yeah. And like, as the seance is going, you just see like one of the pieces of wood go like fly up, thump on the ground. Yeah. The next one fly up, thump on the ground. <laughs> and then you watch each lock just super whoosh, loud. Whoosh, yeah. Oh like, man, that must have been. Oh, that's just kind of like unsettling, you know. It's like, uh, I don't know, like, honest to God, because it's not like you could see the freaking like metal pieces on the door like move up to like drop the wood, mm -hmm. and there's no freaking strings on them. Like, I have no idea how they pulled that off, or at least that. I wonder I if there was see. like some compression or something in the in the like built in at the bottom to shoot them out or something. That would have been. It was crazy because just like watching it just up and fall, up and fall. And it was it, and there's like a bell on there too on the yeah. door that he pulls off like a shelf and he puts it on there and the bell starts ringing and the door is not even moving, <laughs> like it's insane. And so he comes back after like being thrown into the closet and then he just like vanishes. Hmm. Like you see him on the table, he does kind of like this shaky like thing, and we're all left alone. And he like turns on a flashlight because all the lights turned off. And I shit you not, the ghost lady who's supposed to be there. Um, it's this gal who's on the ceiling. That's so she's freaky, like just dude. in the corner. Like he shines the flashlight. She's in the corner. And then she starts running around on the fucking ceiling. Hmm. Like, I kid you not, this is a $13 show. That's like, insane. And this amusement park isn't like super high quality. Yeah, I think but, anybody that has gone to Lagoon, like it's fun, but yeah. it's definitely like more of like a local, I guess, amusement park. I, I, I would assume but anyway continue oh yeah for sure but like she's running around on the ceiling mm. the lights shut off then you start like things start touching you underneath the bleachers because that's where i sat was kind of on the bleacher stairs like not actually on the touching it was it like air effects or was it actually people touching you i have no idea huh it was just like you feel these like things like touching your ankles and you're just like uh. oh and the whole time, like, she's running around on the feelings. Things are touching my ankles. I'm just like, so oh, my God. Dude, can you oh imagine? God. It was all actually Everybody's real. Everybody's, like, screaming. I know. That would be so insane. But like, then, That was not how it's supposed to go at all. It well, was just real. Like, no joke. <laughs> Freaking something else happened at the end, too. Uh -huh. um, so while it's going on, the strobe light, like, turns on, and it starts, like, flashing and fogs everywhere. Mm -hmm. But this lady who was on the ceiling is now on the seance table, and these people who are on the seance table, like, uh, they have to keep their hands on the table because they were instructed, like, no matter what, don't break the circle. No matter what, don't break to be the down circle. There. Oh, that's so freaky. So she's on the table, like, getting in their face and, uh -huh. like, screaming and doing all of this shit. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. And then no joke. <laughs> she switches, like, she disappears and gets replaced with, like, Baphomet, the devil, uh -huh. like, but the one with, like, the goat head. Yeah. And he starts going insane, and I'm just like... Oh my God. <laughs> and so all of this like happens and like the lights like flip on right uh -huh. away. Gone. Really? Like it's Where's not the like guy? they shut off and then he was gone. It was like the lights just immediately flicked on. Like the strobe light stopped, lights came on, gone. What the and then you have one of the guys who was kind of the one who led you into the room, not uh -huh. even like the professor mm -hmm. um who was leading it. This other guy's just like, Well, um, guys, we need to get you out of here. Hmm. because that was not supposed to go that way. Like he literally said <laughs> that he's like, we need to get you out of here right now. It's not safe anymore. Uh -huh. 
Um, and so he tells people at the table, he's like, you need to break the circle. Mm-hmm. And the minute like they break the circle, like the table starts like moving and shaking everywhere. What the F? And so like <laughs> they start running out and we all like leave the room as fast as possible. Cause he's like, get out, get out, get out right oh, now. Oh really? So yeah. there's like a sense of urgency. That's so, yeah. inter- that's so cool for 13 bucks, dude. Yeah. That's like awesome. You need to go see this. Like the huh. price of admission is like insane. It's like 90 mm. bucks. Yeah, it's, get, like, it's gotten pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. But, like, the $13 show mm-hmm. is freaking amazing. And right now, because they have all the haunted houses up, mm-hmm. too, that you can go and, like, nah, they're okay. Yeah. But freaking this show, like, I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back and watch it again just because it was so good. And I'm curious if it's the same show every single time. Because mm-hmm. last year when I went, it was different. Really? Yeah, I'd be interested to see as well. Yeah. Dang, now you're kind of making me want to go up there. But it's so far from here like an hour 20 from here yeah that's true it is pretty far but no it's totally like worth it anyway i guess back to the conjuring yeah (laughs) just because that like made me think of it because you have this freaking ghost woman crawling everywhere and in the conjuring movies like that happens Mm -hmm. um but um i guess following the success of the initial film the conjuring universe expanded rapidly Spinoffs like Annabelle, The Nun, delved into the origins of some of the eerie artifacts and malevolent entities hinted at in the main series, um, providing kind of an intricate web of interconnected stories that thrilled audiences and deepened the lore of the franchise. What sets the Conjuring franchise apart is its dedication to authenticity. The films are rooted in real-life cases, investigated by the Warrens, grounding the horror in terrifying reality. This connection to general paranormal events adds a layer of depth and dread, blurring the lines between fiction and reality, leaving audiences questioning uh, (laughs) what they thought they knew about the supernatural, just like I was questioning my choices in that freaking (laughs) seance. Um, (laughs) At the heart of the Conjuring franchise are Ed and Lorraine Warren, whose unwavering determination to confront malevolent forces provides a powerful emotional anchor. Their relationship not only adds depth to the horror franchise, but also offers a glimpse into human spirit, re- the human spirit's resilience in facing unimaginable terror. Audiences are not just watching characters battle supernatural entities. They are watching a testament to the strength of love and courage, which mm. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I feel like the, at the root of a lot of these things, it's always about like, like family, for instance, yeah. or, or like, um, I guess just in general, loved ones are, you know, they always end. Oh, what about love? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you want someone to care about you? There you go. Copyright strike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they always tend to be like, hopefully most of it end in like a, like a happy ending, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, continue on. Sorry. I mean, I just, just to conclude on the Conjuring franchise, like it kind of was one of the bigger ones that opened up paranormal like movies and kind of the whole, it kind of right now it's super popular. And for the past, like I want to say the past decade, supernatural horror films have been super popular. And Mm. it, you know, a lot of it is kind of tribute to the conjuring because it was such a popular hit movies. There's been these spinoffs and it opened up the genre for other creators to want to kind of bank on this idea of like, Oh, people love the paranormal idea, blah, blah, blah. The conjuring gets so good let's do another exorcism movie. Mm -hmm. And so they come up with all of this other stuff like, um, Oh, the exorcism of so-and-so of Jane Doe or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm 
Um, Emily Rose, I think, was another one. Um, but I guess continuing on, going to one of my favorite horror franchises, and if you want something that's gory, Sorry. scary, and almost comedic in some ways as well, mm-hmm. um, it's The Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most like brilliant horror franchises <laughs> out there. Brilliant enough to take a first date. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I should have done my research on that movie. Probably. (laughs) Lesson learned. Never again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But in the dimly lit corridors of horror cinema, few franchises have left um, as as big of a mark as the Evil Dead franchise. Emerging from the creative genius of Sam Raimi, um, this series has not merely entertained audiences, but it has fundamentally altered the landscape of horror, carving out a niche where film meets dark humor and creatively knows no bounds. Hmm. So the journey of the Evil Dead began in 1981, fairly similar around the same time as um, when Alien started, with mm-hmm. a low-budget, high-impact horror film that introduced audiences to a new realm of terror. The original movie set seemingly... <laughs> inconspicuously in a cabin in the woods kind of like a lot of horror movies do managed to transcend its modest budget through inventive camera work innovative special effects and sheer audacity like this is (laughs) a sheer audacity (laughs) literally like this movie like some people i'm part of this facebook group Uh and it's titled i don't know where you got the audacity but you need to put it back (laughs) (laughs) but like literally i don't know where they got the audacity for some of this stuff because it comes out of nowhere and it's like Uh oh my god (laughs) like sir (laughs) you are really pushing the envelope especially for 1981 um but it managed to transcend its modern budget like because it didn't have a huge budget um to this great film that's crazy the visceral, unrelenting terror of The Evil Dead provided a shot of adrenaline to the horror genre, redefining audience expectations of what horror film could achieve. What followed was not just a sequel of the first movie, but an evolution. Evil Dead 2 in 1987 retained the essence of its predecessor while injecting a hefty dose of dark comedy, creating a unique blend of horror and hilarity. The franchise found its iconic hero in Ash Williams, Played with unmatched charisma by Bruce Campbell, Ash with his chainsaw hand and irreverent attitude became a cultural icon, representing a new kind of horror hero. And so in this, although it came out around the same time as Alien, mm-hmm. um, the Evil Dead chose a strong male lead for most of its time out there, except yeah. for um, getting towards the new one, the Evil Dead Rise, to where... Um, you had Bruce Campbell as Ash, who <laughs> one of his he was he was really good at the role and he's pretty funny in there. Like one of the quotes in there, you probably heard this is just like groovy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but he was kind of a new kind of hero. But the Evil Dead did not stop at the silver screen. In 2015, the franchise made a triumphant res- return to the small screen with a television series, Ash versus the Evil Dead, which is actually really good. It's on Netflix. Or it is was that, when I saw it. Okay, I was gonna ask if that was like a, if that was a um, Netflix original. I have a hard time with Netflix originals. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. Yeah, it's like really hit and miss. Yeah. yeah. This so the continuation of the story in this format not only delighted like long term fans but also introduced a new generation 
um, to the Evil Dead because it kind of like faded away. And then this kind of brought it back into the limelight. Mm -hmm. Um, So the influence of the Evil Dead on the horror genre is immeasurable. Its blend of horror and comedy inspired countless filmmakers, paving the way for a wave of slapstick horror comedies. The franchise also underscored the importance of practical effects and ingenuity, demonstrating that a creative mind could achieve terrifying results without relying solely on CGI. Hmm. Beyond the original trilogy, The Evil Dead spawned a 2013 reboot that introduced the story to a new generation while honoring the spirit of the original one. The remake not only pleased fans, but also garnered uh, critical acclaim, proving that the enduring appeal of the franchise's core concept. Um, And then just the newest one from this year, like it's not necessarily related specifically to any of the other ones, like continuity wise. Yeah. Um, Except for like in the beginning, it does like, well, not even in the beginning, like at the very it's interesting. I'm not going to spoil this. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, because that one came out this year. So yeah. I'm sure many people probably still haven't seen it. And I guess for like some context behind the like Evil Dead franchise, um, what happens is there's this book, the Necronomicon, mm-hmm. and like these priests were researching it, trying to figure out to see how they could like use it for good because it's yeah, the book it, of the dead. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because ne- it doesn't have to do with like necromancy and whatever. Yeah. Stuff. Okay. And so, um, basically what happened, like these priests were reading from the book and they recorded it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot major of major spoilers. People, oh yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Major, major spoilers. Here we go. But I'm not, I'm not spoiling the movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> from this year. <laughs> this one's been out from 1981. So if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, then that's on you, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like the Bible where people are like, don't spoil the Bible, bro. That thing's been out for Fre- freaking thousands of years. Exactly. If you haven't read it, that's on you <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> um, but uh, so they recorded it on there. And what typically happens is our protagonists like play mm-hmm. the tape and it summons these deadites, which you can't kill. Like mm-hmm. you literally you can cut their heads mm-hmm. off and you can't kill them. Like the yeah. only way you can really kill them, I think, is like with fire. Mm-hmm. Like you could dismember them, um, all this stuff. I think like a vampire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could use a wood chipper. I think if you get them in like enough tiny pieces, you could use a wood chipper. <laughs> but like. Um, even the priest will tell you like in some of the other tapes, like they tried, um, uh, like cutting people up and burying them, hoping right. they would die and they wouldn't die. They tried healing them through exorcisms to get these deadite souls out of them and they wouldn't die. Hmm. And like, if these things bite you or like scratch you, then you get infected with like a deadite or yeah. like they'll do the whole scary, like throw up blood in your mouth oh, type of thing. So, <laughs> and they are so violent. Like, Okay, this is a spoiler um, just for the movie from this year, but just an example of how the gore like is. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this fight scene in the kitchen between a deadite and our main protagonist. Mm-hmm. And the deadite took a cheese grater right to this woman's calf. Ooh. And so you just see like just the yeah. cheese grate of her leg. That's, yeah, just ugh. absolutely just. And luckily, just because she's our our main woman uh-huh. in this movie, she doesn't get turned into a dead eye because yeah. <laughs> she just happened not to get any blood on her uh-huh. or any of their black goopy stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but you just see her leg get like racked with this cheese grater, and you can't help but to like, oh my god, like yeah. that. You feel the pain, yeah, as you're watching that, and you see the gore, and it's like, oh my god, it's a, it's it's amazing. And mm-hmm. so, I guess just to conclude on the Evil Dead, like in the annals of horror history. Um, the evil dead is just kind of 
a testament to the power of how um, you can allure fear through creativity. Um, you know, and it really inspired like artists and just writers and filmmakers to really push the boundaries of what horror can be. Um, the Evil Dead really is more than a series of movies. It's a cultural phenomenon, an ever-burning, ever-churning cauldron of nightmares and laughter that continues to captivate audiences, ensuring its legacy as a course cornerstone of the horror cinema for generations to come. Again, watch it. Mm -hmm. Please watch all of them. Because even the remake that happened in um in 2013. Yeah. Um, although it didn't have like Bruce Campbell as kind of like the lead guy. Yeah. It was really good. And uh -huh. it's it's scary. Like they did a really good job. Like, I don't know how else to say just watch the movie. <laughs> just watch it. Um, dude, the thing with Bruce Campbell, I never like can take that dude seriously. Yeah. Unfortunately, because the only thing I ever think of is him and Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Because he was in, he's like I don't because he's got obviously he does a lot of movies with um um Sam Raimi yeah and so he's in a, he's like I think he appears in all the Spider Mans and then he was actually like the tutorial voice of yeah. all the Spider Man games so anytime I see him I only think Spider Man so it's hard to like get that image out of my head you know <laughs> well the good news like with the Evil Dead it's like a comedy and so yeah. you don't have to take him seriously right it's oh, like horror nice. comedy and so yeah. uh, ten out of ten like watch the thing mm -hmm. like there's a reason why it's known as like a staple mm -hmm. in horror cinema and you know like for sure like during halloween you have to watch the evil dead rise mm -hmm. like i keep talking it up when i'm going home i'm like half tempted to just like play it and watch it as i'm driving <laughs> home <laughs> i won't do that yeah yeah don't do that <laughs> <laughs> um just because i'm trying to be a better driver that's good yeah because i got that thing. speeding ticket Oh, yeah. Brennan got a speedy ticket last week, unfortunately. I think it was unjustified. There's no way I was going as fast as they said. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I was going 97 in a 70 zone. I don't believe I was going that fast. Uh -huh. I don't um, know, bro. I've seen you driving. I believe I was going the speed limit. Really? Yeah. Huh. Just for, like, future records, I believe <laughs> I was going the speed limit. <laughs> Okay. And well. so, yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah. I believe I was going the speed limit. Usually I go like 75, and I don't think any, at least I haven't gotten pulled over for going 75. So, yeah. I don't know. You, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet, like five over, you know? Yeah. Sometimes in the fast lane, if I get a little frisky with the law, I try to go nine over. Yeah. But never, never pass nine. Anyway, this is kind of <laughs> well, besides I'm just the point. Saying, like, I believe I wasn't going there. Um, now, if you could prove I was going faster, <laughs> then <laughs> good for you. But I personally believe <laughs> that I was going the speed limit. Uh -huh. I can't 100% for certain say like yes or no, but I personally believe, I have a strong belief uh -huh. that I was going the speed limit and the <laughs> ticket is unjustified. Nice. <laughs> um, well, to move on past your uh, uh, unfortunate ticket. Yeah. Um, so I think the last thing we want to touch on is uh, The Shining. I feel like, uh, and I'm sure many of you have seen The Shining. It's probably one of the most popular. Um, Again, like, if you haven't. Yeah, that's on you. That's on you for sure. Obviously, major spoilers here because I'm going to go through pretty much the entire film. Um, it, it'll be brief, but 
yeah, I think this one is a big one for a lot of people. I think this one really kind of put um, that suspense into people's uh, uh, eyes and in that feeling of suspense, you know? Yeah. Um, because of um, Jack Nichols, Nicholson, Nicholson's performance. He just is like an eerie character, you know, that smile, the eyebrows, the stares, you know, he's yeah. very good at being able to convey emotion through his face and his acting. Um, great actor. Yeah. Um, he looks psychotic. Yeah, he looks psychotic. I mean, now, unfortunately, he's he's old, you know. That was yeah. a long time ago. But the movie, I think, still holds a lot of weight, which is really cool. Um, the only weird thing is, like, and it was just a thing back then, but you watch the film and the transitions between scenes. Yeah. I almost feel like like you're left, like, wanting more, if you will. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. Like, there's a lot of scenes where it, they're, like, there's this open dialogue happening and then it starts panning out and fades into another scene. Yeah. Um, but I think that was just the style back then, you know, Yeah. Uh, to switch it around like that. You know what else was kind of like an old style? What? Dick, Taint, Dick Cheney shooting oh puppies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here we go. We back at the Dick Cheney, bro. <laughs> and his freaking puppy shooting, like, massacre. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> every day, every episode, you guys, we won't fail to mention him. He's got to be in here. You know, maybe one day I'll surprise everybody and just, like, Drop my beef with Dick. <laughs> drop your beef with Dick. <laughs> Basically, maybe one day I'll drop it and just like not mention him in an episode. But for now, it'll be here. Today is not that day. Today is not that day. That um, alleged puppy shooter. <laughs> just alleged. kidding. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I think again, this is an important one. Um, not only because it was it was an important film for a lot of. I guess horror films to come, but it was important because of Stephen King. Yeah. Um, he, as many of you know, he's written a lot of these very kind of unsettling books. I mean, it is Stephen King as well. Um, then you got shining obviously. And then several others. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but interestingly, Stephen King did not like this adaption of his film or of his book. Um, there's just too much change and he was frustrated by, uh, so the guy that produced it, the, the, um, Oh, what's the, the producer and the, I just forgot the name of the other person that does all the stuff, whatever. Um, it was, uh, um, Stanley Kubrick. So Stanley Kubrick, um, produced and did all the stuff for the movie and he changed the story quite a bit. Yeah. So let me just read a, quote from Stephen King about the film. That's what's wrong with The Shining. Basically, the movie has no heart. There's no center to the picture. I wrote the book as a tragedy, and if it was a tragedy, it was because all the people loved each other. Here, it seems there's no tragedy because there's nothing to be lost. So he had a lot of frustration with the film because uh, Kubrick's in, in, uh, interpretation just changed quite a bit of it. Um, I'll dive into a few of these changes um, that went on here in a second, but I kind of wanted to give a background as to why Stephen King, his inspiration behind the whole um, story pretty yeah. much. So, and again, major spoilers to come. So in the, in the, and I haven't read the book, unfortunately, I probably should. So maybe I shouldn't even be talking about this, but I hope, <laughs> I hope I don't get tracked through the coals too hard. Um, but in the film, Jack Torrance is the, uh, main, like, I guess you could call him the antagonist. Um, 
but he has a lot of issues with alcoholism and that in lies a lot of where King's, don't we all <laughs> yeah just kidding um, that's where king got a lot of his own he had alcohol like battles with alcoholism and addiction um which then really helped to shape jack's uh character throughout the movie um because of that he i guess just in general stephen was able to pull a lot of his own emotions and frustrations with alcoholism and put them into this character which almost made him feel a little more real in my opinion um the other thing too is that they him and his wife actually stayed in the hotel um the stanley hotel is actually real uh, or sorry the overlook hotel is what's called in the movie but the stanley hotel is legit and it's in colorado and him and his wife went and stayed there for one night in the room 217 and i'll jump into that in a second because the room 217 is pretty significant throughout the book but not in the film and there's a reason behind that why is that i'll tell you in just a second okay yeah i'll tell you guys in just a minute so yeah it was it was in this uh the oh what was the name the stanley hotel is in colorado and him and his wife stayed there but there was also, it was very like isolated when they stayed there. And there's a lot of talk about it being haunted as well. And so that's where he kind of pulled the um, inspiration for being there and having like like that kind of supernatural essence to it. Um, he also has a very like, he really likes that supernatural side of things. And so he wants to bring it into his films and stuff and, and show how it plays a role in a lot of, uh, I guess, and we've talked about it, but it, supernatural plays a lot of roles in that horror section of like film, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so let's uh, let's hop into some of these changes, interesting changes that uh, Kubrick made to the film, um, because it is pretty weird, and and a lot of and a lot of it is like I think just because it would have worked better with the film. Um, there is actually two interpretations of the shining. There's one that was like a show. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a movie one, the show. Apparently King actually likes prefers the show over the movie because it actually shows a little bit more of the like, um, stories interpretation Yeah, a little better. Um, but Kubrick, I think made the film to be able to be shown on the big screen, you know? And, and, yeah. and so people would like it and be able to watch the film without having to have read the book, you know, because a lot of the time when you're trying to interpret a book to a movie, it's so difficult. Right. And I think that's a lot of what people have issues with, like Harry Potter, for instance. They're, they, I, in my opinion, I have read Harry Potter. They did do a lot of really good, but they missed a lot of really interesting parts that I would have loved to see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but so one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that has talked about a lot of the changes that Kubrick made are with, jack torrance actually so in the book apparently he is very so let me give you the film interpretation first so in the film he's kind of like he's kind of a dick to be honest um he doesn't really like care about anything he claims to care about uh danny his son um but his wife he doesn't really care for and he is like an alcoholic you know yeah um and so in the film he's kind of uh arrogant too and so when he goes up and has that interview, the, again, spoilers ahead, but um, he goes up to have an interview to take care, be like the, 
the caretaker for the hotel during the winter time. Yeah. So somebody has to stay up there during those those winter months to take care of the hotel, make sure nothing falls apart, blah, blah, blah. So he's in this interview and he says, the manager says, hey, by the way, um, we had a caretaker a little bit ago, but so-and-so essentially went crazy and killed his family. Um, and he's like, that tends to deter some people. So we understand if you don't want to take the job. And then Jack at this point is like, well, my wife kind of likes like that true crime. So she'll like that story. I'm sure it's totally fine. <laughs> so it, right there and then he's like, doesn't really care about his family. You know, right. he doesn't care about what they think. It's more like, well, Jack's like a struggling writer right now. He only wants to focus on his craft. So he's like, I don't care. I want the isolation so I can write blah, blah, right. blah. In the book, apparently, he's a lot more sympathetic, a lot nicer, and he cares about his family a lot more. Um, they kind of, like, just make him very, I guess it's, like, the descent into madness yeah. in the book is a lot more um, gradual and, and I guess, slow, if you will. In yeah. the film, they just kind of throw it in there. You know, when the first time I watched it, I was more thinking, like, wait, why is Jack going crazy all of a sudden? Like, I didn't understand. And it wasn't until after that I kind of, like, thought about it a little more is you start to realize that the the hotel is almost, like, infecting Jack, you know? It's preying on his, like, his weaker mind right now because he's he's only thinking about, like, alcohol and stuff, and he's frustrated with his writing. And so yeah. the, the hotel's, like, preying on that. But it doesn't really convey that super well throughout the film. It just kind of shows... It's like almost an abrupt thing where Jack just starts going crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was one big change that they, a lot of people didn't agree with. The next one in the book, um, the hedge animals, they're like these living animals within the hedge um, that kind of come to life. And at the very end, what ends up happening is that these, these uh, um, animals come to life and they attack Jack. Um, in the film ad adaptation, there's, when, in my opinion... <laughs> I like this ending a lot better, but in the film, uh, Danny is running around in the maze, the hedge maze from Jack, you know, it kind of is, it gives it a lot more suspense, a lot more like, um, on edge, uh, because you want to make sure Danny gets away and he doesn't die. Um, because you know, I, I guess you want to, you want to hope for that happy ending, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's another thing too. It, it definitely differs a lot from the book, the ending, um, because in the ending, it provides a really distinct, like, here's the conclusion. It's done. Yeah. Um, it leans a lot more toward the, like the supernatural and, and like hopeful. Um, but the film adaptation is a lot more ambiguous and it leaves like, like a lot more for interpretation, you know? And I think the reason behind that was to, again, they wanted to like work off of it, you know? Uh, and they did that really well within the sleep doctor. I don't know if you watched that one either. I did. I did see that. The yeah. woman was kind of spooky, but she was also kind of a... Wait, which one? The, uh, in the sleep doctor, the one where she had kind of like that top hat. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they played it really well into that because again, the, the shining kind of leaves everything in up for interpretation. You know, you want to know what's going on or what's going to happen right? because they just drive away, you know, and then they show the, the image of Jack at the very end in the film or in the picture or frozen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's another really interesting thing they did. Another one too. Mm -hmm. And this plays into what you spoke about earlier about females being females being like more shown as a like weaker person, you know? Yeah. Um, like a, like a damsel in distress. Yeah. 
in the movie, Wendy, his wife, is very like hysterical and just kind of like like I don't know, like can't control your emotion, just like freaking out. Mind you, though, like in the movie, I don't know if I would be any better. I feel like I'd be worse than Wendy if my if like if I had a hus- husband or a wife that was going insane, you know, freaking I don't chopping know what the door do. with an axe. Yeah, dude, it's terrifying, you know. But in the book, interestingly, they make her a lot more like steadfast and stronger. Like she's depicted as like a, a very um like not powerful woman but a lot more aggressive than than she was in the film right so okay and then here's what i was talking about earlier room 217 versus room 237 um and again i don't know you've seen yeah you told me you watched the film but 237 is where like the bathtub woman is in is in there you know yeah um where danny goes in where he's told not to go in by um Oh crap! What was his name? Lloyd, um, or was it Lloyd? Yeah, yeah, Lloyd at the beginning of the movie where he says, "Do not go into room two three seven. Um, so they, sorry, lost my train of thought for a second. But in the film, two three seven is the, is where all the bad stuff happen, happens. Pretty much, that's where Dana gets choked out, yeah. and that's where a lot of people consider Jack's like move to the dark side, quote unquote. Uh, happens when he goes and like kisses that beautiful young woman and then she turns into like this saggy moldy dead old lady you know yeah um that was actually the room that steven stayed in 217 and in the book it is 217 um so that's pretty cool but they changed it in the film because the hotel was like well you guys are filming it in our hotel we don't want guests to feel scared to stay in this room yeah 217 and so they changed it to 237 because that room doesn't exist in the hotel okay yeah so i thought that was pretty cool because i mean and i think they have like every right to want to say that because it is true you know like i think um people would be a little weary to stay in the room 217 but on the other side that's actually like the most apparently the most requested room to stay in is 217 see that's what i was thinking i was like well, usually it's the opposite. Like yeah. usually when spooky stuff is, you get all these people coming out of the woodworks and they're like, mm-hmm. let me stay there instead. That's why so many like haunted inns are popular. Right. Exactly. You know, people want to, people want to get that kind of like, um, that unsettling feeling again, you know? Yeah. Um, lastly, the, the, another change, or I guess one of the other changes that I thought was interesting was the book really tries to put an emphasis on the supernatural elements again, because, king just like really likes that kind of stuff yeah but the movie instead places a huge emphasis on like psychological and surreal kind of aspects without uh or within um the the supernatural as well as like the human mind you know um jack starts to go crazy and he has a lot of these struggles with alcoholism which kind of causes him to be a little more aggressive than um he was in the book pretty much yeah um, but yeah, overall the, the main differences within the plot, the character development, the tone, um, they offer a really good film experience in my opinion. Yeah. But obviously again, Stephen King was not very, um, impressed. He was pretty dissatisfied with the adaptation. Um, the other, the other frustrating thing too, is that I like, I understand it. it's his film or his book, you know, King's book, but right. as far as I know, I, I, Kubrick asked for full, like, like he asked for 
freedom within making it, you know? Yeah. Because he, at the end of the day, knew that, hey, I need to make this for a film. You know, I need to have freedom to be able to do what I want. Mind you, I don't think he should have changed as much as he did. Yeah. But the film still is, like, touted upon as one of the best horror films of all time. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, because it gives you that eerie feeling, eerie feeling, you know, it's, it's freaky. Um, it is really freaky. Like, you know, horror movies that probably just get lost in time are mm-hmm. different things like the visit yeah. or the, is that what it's the invitation? Yeah. Like how many people know about that movie? Not a lot. I mean, do you know what that movie is? The invitation? Yeah. I don't think so. The invitation. Exactly. I, mean, I want to look it up. I mean, I'm not recommending it. It's not like a super good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, movies that can stand the test of time, like The Shining, as you're saying, like it really goes to show like how good they are and how well they like perfected oh, wait. it. The Invitation. I yeah. think I do. Because that was pretty recent, right? It's like about vampires or something. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah. Okay. Now I do remember it actually. Um, yeah. I saw the trailers for that and I thought it was uh, like, again, that's the thing too is like, I'm kind of like... Um, I guess a hater, if you will. And I'm sure you guys probably realize that, but any type of those t- like kind of movies, I always try to like <laughs> disprove them, I guess. Yeah. Um, because I just think they're dumb, but, but yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Any movie that can stand the test of time is a lot more uh, important to, I guess the general, um, society, society in general, you know, because it's a lot more remembered. Again, we spoke about this earlier, but like the red balloon, you know, that is, that's, has, stood the test of time and will continue to stand the test of time because it is so like iconic right you know it's so cool that they they were able to do something like that and still add so much um throughout time i guess you know yeah i don't know if that makes sense um but yeah so the other thing too that i thought was pretty interesting and just with the film and throughout the film danny mentions this uh character tony He's like, you know, (laughs) yeah. Um, Apparently that's a projection of himself in the future because the shining, like that power that they have, you can see in the future and in the past. Um, And so apparently that's Tony is um, Danny from the future, helping himself through the situation, like trying to get him to be safe and whatnot. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then, oh, you know what? I forgot, I forgot to mention probably like one of the biggest. Oh, well, I guess I kind of glazed over it. But the ending of the movie um, within the book and I th- within the book, he Jack goes into the into the boiler room because yeah. he was tasked to make sure that the boiler room didn't like explode anything. But he goes down to the basement in the book and he turns up the pressure and he blows up the hotel like it burns so crisp. Oh, dang. Um and that's like one of the main differences between the ending. Again, um, like I said, the 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 book's ending kind of leaves it as like closure. You get closure, you know. Jack yeah. is seen as more of like a a not a hero, but less of a like horrible person, you know. Yeah. Um, in the movie, it's all left up into into interpretation because you don't know what happened. Um, but so yeah, sorry, I totally forgot about that. One last thing I want to talk about here before we uh, kind of wrap things up is, and I think they do this in a lot of movies, score. I think the music score is a huge, huge deal to convey like freakiness, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, 
especially like like there's a there's that kind of buzzing noise with the with the high pitch like that yeah you know um i don't know if this has any validity to it but i think we um, have something kind of like that do you Yeah, kind of like exactly something like this. Here, I'll turn it. Yeah, we kind of have that, and then I think similar, like kind of like this too. Yeah, exactly. Like these kind of like eerie feeling noises. You know, they kind of make you just a little bit unsettled. Yeah, and a little bit um, just uneasy. You know, there's there a lot of it is done with uh, um, like wind instruments or with uh um oh, what are they like violin i don't remember what that what kind of instrument is that like the violin is a string instruments right um but it is said and again i don't know don't quote me on this because i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure that they use like people that have mixed these music or these, these sounds or they use the buzzing of bees because bees kind of like make you a little bit unsettled you know oh, wow nobody wants to get stung yeah and so they use like that as a bass to make the music and stuff, yeah, uh, which I thought was super interesting because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anytime I hear a bee around me or a wasp, dude, I'm like, get the hell away from me! I don't want to get stung. That shit hurts, you well, know. Sometimes what they'll do too is um, they'll try and tailor a beat to match kind of like a heartbeat sound. Yeah, um, because like when you hear your heartbeat, that's like usually a bad sign, like yeah. stress or anxiety mm -hmm. type of thing. And so they use kind of that like bum 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 yeah. bum. Bum, yep. bum. And they'll either do it like with the music kind of naturally being that way yep. or they'll actually kind of make like a thumping noise. Mm -hmm. So to hit on what you're saying, actually, interestingly, that is called Mickey Mousing. Um, it has like an actual a word for it or a name for it. So it was, it's used a lot in uh, like the old style of, of animation where it was kind of like you draw and then you record, draw, record, draw, record, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, what they would do with the music is like, let's say mickey was walking right and it was like a kind of a, something spooky or something suspenseful is the more he walks the faster the music goes or 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 like i don't know he hits a wall and it kind of high-pitched noises stuff like that yeah so they try to go to the beat of how the film is being run and that is a huge thing that um gordon stands forth the one that he was the music editor on the film um he really tried to convey that like the film's tension and unease with this Mickey Mickey Mousing um, uh, uh, method. Yeah. So, and they show it a lot often when, like, for instance, Danny's like having his shining moments, you know. Yeah. Um, or Lloyd does the shining, where like you know that high pitch, like the, you know. Yeah. Um, sorry if that was annoying to listen <laughs> to, but um, they do that a lot to kind of convey that like. Oh, something's happening, you know, something's about to happen. Um, or they progressively, anytime they show Jack, which I thought this was super interesting, um, they try and make this the music a little more eerie each time, you know. Yeah. As he as Jack progressively gets more insane and more kind of convoluted within the walls of the the hotel, the music gets more and more aggressive until the very end. Right. Um as Jack starts kind of walking and running, the music gets more and more aggressive, um, which I thought that was so cool. You know, it, it helps convey that essence of fear and insanity for the viewer. Um, yeah, I completely agree for sure. Yeah, I think they just, a lot of, 
I just think the sh- the Shining did a lot of good for a lot uh, like again horror films in general. Yeah. Um, but the music within the Shining and the producers and the the music editors just did an even m- like magnitudes more for movie making in general. You yeah. know, the Shinings like they they were able to make an atmosphere of horror and tension of like psychological tension um with something so minimal you know yeah because you don't really think about music being that big of a deal but anytime you hear for instance like the spider-man theme you immediately know what it is right or i don't know the batman theme or superman even like the I know exorcist the exorcist exactly like or or uh michael myers theme you right. know halloween dun 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 you know there's they do so much with so little which is just I don't know. It's so cool. You know, you hear that music and, and it almost gives you like a, like a, like a sense of just dread and unease anytime you hear it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the last thing I want to talk about. I think, uh, hopefully we, we didn't butcher too many details here and I hope you guys had like interesting, it found it as interesting as I did because I don't know that kind of stuff is cool because you look at the horror movies and stuff that, didn't didn't do so well and a lot of these things are missing you know a lot of them are 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 not shown within the film and and then you wonder what then it kind of like leaves you to know why they didn't do so well you know what i'm saying yeah i get what you're saying i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah um but yeah that's kind of all i had on the shining i wanted to do other movies but i thought the uh the shining had quite a bit to unpack um just because there's a lot going on within that film and yeah, I just really liked it. And again, you guys should go watch the Doctor Sleep. That was a really good, uh, good sequel to the film's adaptation. Um, again, I haven't read any of these books, which I probably should, but they're super long, and I hope I don't get dragged through the coals for that. Honestly, <laughs> just <laughs> but, go, yeah, just go watch all of the movies we talked about. Go yeah. check out all these franchises. Go they're all relatively watch the short too, because like a lot of these older movies tend to be quite a bit shorter, just because I don't know. I guess I don't know why, but. I feel like they're always shorter for some reason, like an hour yeah. 20 most of the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's shorter movies for sure. There's just a lot of films in some, some of them. Like I think the conjuring has like five films. Yeah. And Halloween has like 12 films. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing too, that I wanted to kind of <laughs> last thing. Um, so the Halloween franchise, like I really enjoyed it and I enjoy the movies just because I like Michael Myers and that kind of character. But yeah, the frustrating thing about the 20, so the 2018 one, they almost gave us like closure at the end of it, right? He gets trapped in the basement. Again, spoilers. He gets trapped in the basement. They light it on fire. How's anybody, any regular human supposed to survive that, right? Mm-hmm. But then in the second movie, he gets out and he starts killing again. And they almost betray Mike Myers is like, um, he almost turns out to be like a, a, more supernatural, you know? Yeah. And as and as many people might even say is like, well, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, it is it is supposed to give you that kind of instance of like this this guy is unbeatable, you know, he, he's just uh, something of the devil. Yeah. Um and I don't know. I just don't know if I really love that idea. I'd much rather be like he is a human, you know, he can be hurt, but in the second movie they freaking shoot him, stab him like a hundred times and the yeah. dude is still standing. 
Like, how does that make any sense? It, it almost doesn't. Like, right. It almost pulled the like suspense and the freaking uh, like the scariness out of it for me. Yeah. You know, which was upsetting because I really wanted it to be, um, uh, I guess, carry continue to carry that that element of unease from the first movie. You yeah. Know? But for sure. But yeah, um, that's kind of all I had on that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we actually were thinking to ourselves, we were like, oh, dang, I don't know if we're going to have too much content for this, but now we're an hour 15 in. <laughs> we just barely finished, so. Yeah, we had enough. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um, just kidding. Um, it was pretty good. I enjoyed what we talked about. Um, just some things I want to touch on before we uh, we end. Definitely with any feedback, uh, yeah. reach out to us at shadow.valleypod at thedogenetwork.com. Um, and then also reach out to us on Instagram. Yeah. Follow us on the socials. Really. We want, we want to hear from you guys. I know we say this every, every episode, but we would love to hear from you guys. Um, our Instagram name is shadow Valley pod. Go give us a follow, shoot us a DM. We'd love to talk. Um, especially with a, a subject like this. I think it's a, it's cool to hear other people's opinions on movies, you know, oh, yeah. uh, specifically on like horror movies, because I feel like they have such a vast range of them. Oh yeah. That, um, maybe there's some that I haven't even heard of or even delved into that I would probably love. So, or if we got any details wrong too, yeah. please feel free to shoot us out a message because we want to be, <laughs> we want to know when we're wrong because we don't want to just be speaking out of our butts. So <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's a little fun. Just yeah. kidding. But yeah, again, uh, we'll get Parker back this next week. We've yeah. got two more Halloween episodes planned for you guys. So we'll be looking forward to that. We uh, ran into a little uh, issue here because I'm a fool and I miscounted the weeks. <laughs> so we, we need to plan for one more episode. Originally, we had planned for four, um, but we've got five coming. So two more. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for listening and uh, we hope to hear we hope to hear from you on the socials or emails or whatever. Yeah, sounds great. You guys have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.